Hi, I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. Hi, Debbie. Hello, hello, hello. So we have another special guest today on the podcast who I'm very excited to meet for the first time, but you actually already know her. So tell me how you met. Well, I don't actually, but she's my Instagram uh, guru. I met Anya, oh, I don't know, maybe a year a year ago, I don't know. But, and I saw her numbers going through the roof because I was um, intrigued by what she did and how she does it because it is so clear and so wonderful because Anya is a gardener. And gardening has become my new passion. Um, obviously, I've got a lot of land and, and I do have help, but I just absolutely love it. And it's something that you are learning all the time. And so I was following her. And then luckily, I asked her a few questions. She answered back. And then um, I became, a, I'm addicted to Anya. So hello, Anya. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's so lovely. Well, hello, hello. Hi. So Anya, you are in Berkshire. Berkshire is West London. Yeah, back, Buckinghamshire, Buckinghamshire, just on the boat. Yes, just out, not far away from Windsor. Okay, the Queen. Okay. Royal Connections. Royal Connections. So a beautiful part. Now, you know, people say, well, you've got an English garden. The weather in England, of course, is, is perfect for gardening because it's sun and rain. Um, we have, Anya, we have a lot of people listening in North America. Um, and of course, there you've got all these different planting zones and everything. Um, but, you know, I've tried, I, I was terrified of gardening over the last 20 years. And now I built a greenhouse and it turned out to be more expensive. I got it on sale. And then by the time I put my concrete, concrete basin and done everything, I thought I better learn this stuff because I have to save money on plants. Because you are also the gardener who helps you save money. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I am the money-saving gardener. And I don't know if you've um, seen my videos. I started saying this because it's so important. You know, it's not only it's not only the satisfaction from, you know, seeing things grow. But, you know, I love saving money, you know, and I love maximizing the, the you know, the results. So I am the money-saving gardener. Now, you have a beautiful, I mean, it looks beautiful online. Um, I have you know, everybody knows I have a, a lot of land and not so much g that huge a garden, but, but a lot of, you know, land with olive trees and things. But, but then I have the garden around the property. Tommy does not have any of that. He has pots and. I do have, so, you know, it's so interesting to me, Anya, because, you know, your Instagram handle is Anya, the garden fairy. I'm Tommy, the podcast fairy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to meet a fellow fairy. We are a perfect team. What I'm fascinated about is you have managed to achieve this universal appeal on social media by suggesting tips for gardeners of almost all kinds. And as Debbie's mentioned, she has land around her home in Italy, but she also has a home in London, which is more similar to my home in Toronto, which is it's a smaller house. It has a tiny front garden and a roof deck uh, out back and not a lot of planting space. So for, for, for me, I'm so interested in container gardening and I've had various levels of success with it, but I'm also on a budget because it makes no sense for me as a renter to be spending a fortune on the garden at my home. And that's very typical. And I think container could be, I'm sure there's people listening going, well, I don't even have that. I have a windowsill and, and that stuff that you can do. So first of all, I just, I just want to talk about the language because I'm intrigued that... 
Whatever project you're in, there is a language you have to learn. So Tommy and I frustrate everybody because we're trying to, at the moment, learn the podcast language. We know the television language, but we don't <laughs> know the podcast language. And then, of course, I got into the gardening, you know, the gardening uh, Anya language, which is basically, I mean, to me, the word propagate is something pornographic. But to Anya, oh my God, it's, and I, I walk up to people now and I go, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't come because I'm propagating today, you know, and, 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 and I just love these words. And I think when you, when you get into a new hobby, a new genre, it, you know, you just get blown away by the world that, that, that kind of surrounds you. Um, so, so let's start. I want to ask you, because I know... I want people to write some of this stuff down as well, and we're going to put it also in the notes. But for instance, I think the, per the most wonderful thing you did, which I've already done today, and I did it with cilantro yesterday, which is very hard to get here, is, um, so you're, you're a money-saving gardener. All right, everybody listening has bought that little basil plant in the supermarket. And everybody who buys the plant rather than the bunch goes, well, you know, I'm going to buy that because I'll one day have a huge plant of my own basil in the kitchen. And what does it do? It dies. They all die. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't care what supermarket you've got it from, wherever in the world, that little. So I'm watching Anya and I'm, I'm telling people, oh, my God, look at this. This is how you never have to buy basil again. So tell us how you do that, because it's so fascinating. Well, I mean, you know, uh, not only basil, but in all herbs, you know, we buy, uh, there is a way of propagating. It's almost like you've, you buy it once or you get seeds and you just keep propagating. So, you know, when you use your basil, you just uh, uh, take a cutting and you can put it even in a bit of water, you know, and back to um, what you just said about people not having garden, g gardens. I lived in central Berlin. Um, I traveled for, for a while before I moved and before I settled down here in UK. So I lived in Scotland, you know, in the highlands of Scotland. I, and, and the central Berlin, I didn't even have a balcony. But I always um, loved, on, and I took it with me from home. You know, my mum used to say, your home is where your plants grow. And that's how I see, you know, it doesn't matter where I go. Um, I just keep propagating because this basil, you know, something so accessible, you can just take a cutting, put it in a bit of water and you will create roots and you just quickly put it in another pot and you create your own basil again. And this is what I, it's not even about growing, but it's also about mental health, you know, about creating, about being in control and just getting so much pleasure from from simplicity on your windowsill i think what's what's really fascinating is because there are so many failures and of course all over social media now the big message for young people is you're as successful as your failures it's your failures uh -huh. in life you know whether tommy's a designer something goes wrong you learn from it and it's better the next time the same with the garden because very often it doesn't work. And, and, and of course, you have to have the patience. So, you know, you plant your carrots for the first time in a window box and nothing happens. You're like, okay, so I did something wrong. I need to do it again. I need to try it again. And when it does work, I mean, I'm, I know 
so many people are standing over their seeds watching them day after day and and you <laughs> you're like oh please do something you know and then one day you walk in and this there's a sprout you know and you just feel like a million bucks but i think it's about the learning as you go along like in tommy's world putting the wrong sofa in a house is an expensive mistake but you learn from it a bag of seeds doesn't cost very much or taking a basil plant and breaking it up and putting it in each little stem in some water you're only throwing away you know a couple of dollars or a couple of pounds you eventually get it right and the pleasure totally and do you know it's all about simplicity as 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 i mentioned to you and you probably know i raise awareness about neurodiversity because i'm myself i have adhd which basically means that i am t- i have no patience so don't ask me how i have created this garden from seeds and cuttings because i really i haven't got patience so what um i think the trick is also with with social media and what i do you know with my videos i only go for simplicity um you know reward so if something is really complicated people tend to get bored and i get as well you know a, a, a over a minute long video i just get bored so i tend to go for things that are easy to grow where people see the result and that is the secret because one success will lead to the next you know it's the same with you know interior design or anything else in life if you see your little success you want more of it because the dopamine you get in your brain makes you feel good and that's the secret do you think anya that your neurodiverse nature is something that is conducive to the art and and the practice of gardening or something that you have to work around oh it's just you know i call it my superpower you know neurodivergent people tend to see things in this world that you know some people don't and is the joy is the pleasure from seeing you know progress and also finding your ways to to success you know and simplifying things they're saying now it's actually in the paper today about you know everybody's looking for that dopamine hit and they're finding that because all this stuff is coming back crafting and painting and and cooking and baking and 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 gardening it's because it you know it's not just a quick hit like buying we did a podcast recently about hobbies and stuff and we were talking about that where you know if you go and buy a new bag or you you know you see you get lots of likes on social media or something that's that quick hit but it's gone and that's why people are getting sadder but when you do something that that maybe takes a day or two or the results are coming in in a few weeks you know it 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 it's the real deal it's the real soothing of the soul and and the, and the joy and and they're saying anything with your hands you know and you know your parents used to say this kids used to do this at school um and of course the kids aren't doing um as much with their hands they're all you know on games and things like that and that's immediate but it doesn't stay with you whereas you grow some vegetables for your kids in a sandbox or get your husband up a a ladder with a tin of paint the pleasure and the joy 
Yes, totally. And do you know, if, when you watch my videos, you see that I never use gloves. And um, I get a lot of questions and people saying, you know, oh, she's not using any gloves. And do you know, I find that not wearing gloves makes me happier when I touch the soil. And I couldn't explain it. Um, you know, even a few minutes in the garden, just digging in the soil, you know, touching the soil with my hands. It was amazing. And I started researching. And apparently... The soil contains almost like antidepressants. So there is this um, a bacteria or something really positive. So, uh, you know, it sounds strange when I say inhaling the soil, because obviously you know, I don't encourage people to inhale the soil. But when you touch the soil, you automatically absorb that positivity. And people often say, you know, my hands must be terrible. I, you can see my hands. My hands are not bad because I'm also a beekeeper. So I put a bit of honey on my hands. And I just get so much positivity from just touching the soil. And as you said, going back to our roots, you know, the hunter-gatherers, we made for this stuff. You know, people got all the positivity from the soil and that's what we can get now. But it's similar to if you have a, if you have a massage or a facial, it's so disappointing when they wear those latex gloves because... The touch isn't the same. It's just not the same. And, you know, I spoke to a girl once giving, and she said, oh, we have to, you know. I said, well, that's ridiculous. You know, if you're going to catch anything off me, you're going to catch it anyway. Um, <laughs> fungi or whatever I've got. Um, but she said, we miss it. We miss the actual feeling of somebody's hands on somebody's body. I think you're right. You know, you need that. I mean, a baker. Look at a baker in a bakery has to probably wear latex gloves, but a baker at home, a mum baking bread for her family would never, you know, you're feeling the dough, you're feeling. And, you know, today I posted <laughs> a picture of me putting lilies into the ground. I know I did it all wrong because about 7,000 people have already told me and it's only been up an hour because apparently you're supposed to drop the lilies into the water, but I didn't. But I had to kind of hang over the edge of the pond it was very graceful no, and beautifully not, done. No, it was I looked like a hippo. Uh, come on. I was <laughs> hanging over this thing. And then, I, and then, of course, I couldn't get up. So I thought that was quite funny. It's funny because this guy told me that people are um, sick of perfection. People don't want to see that perfection. People want to see us breaking rules and just reality. And you should have more um, um, engagement from people for a video like that, because that's what we want to see. Don't you think? I think so. Absolutely. I was in the market this morning and, and it's tourist season here. And there was a family buying vegetables. I think they were Americans. The boy said, what's wrong with the apples? They look so ugly. Oh, and look at the tomatoes. They look all weird. And the mother was so great. And I listened to her explaining and saying, these are real tomatoes. That this is how they're supposed to look. You know, a company hasn't pumped them with crap to make them look, you know, nice. They bought them and that child has changed forever. That lesson is done. So you're right. I think we are tired of the perfect. It's amazing how trained our eye and our reception and perception is to recognizing fruits and vegetables and things that are grown for us to eat versus natural things in the world of nature that are a little more random, and you can even translate that to ugly. Patrick and I went strawberry picking a couple of years ago. During the pandemic, when you had to really only, could only do group activities outside, we thought, well, let's go and pick organic strawberries from this strawberry farm. Well, the queue to get there 
was enormous because everybody was doing this. And we picked our strawberries and we looked at them when we got them home and they were just freakish looking. Like they looked nothing like a strawberry that you would get except for the color and the little dots, the little seeds on the outside. The shape of them was so irregular. And so we made jam from them and we called it freak berry jam. Freak berry jam. (laughs) And I bet they tasted better. They were fantastic. You know, it's getting easier to learn about gardening and what you can do at home and and what's in your garden or, for instance, what's at the the nurseries, the garden stores, with all these apps. So, you know, I have one where you, you know, you just put it on the plants and it tells you what it is and I'm using it kind of all the time. Do you have any favourites that you use if you're not sure of a plant? I have to say that everybody can do it without uh, getting any apps on your iPhone, you know. So I do tend, especially with wildflowers, I sometimes discover new, uh, you know, here in England, we've got so many wonderful wildflowers. And my iPhone, uh, you go to your picture and maybe that's a top tip for people that if you have an iPhone, you can just go to info and it tells you, you know, you can even crop it from a video and you go to the info and it tells you everything about that plant, you know? No. Yeah. I didn't know that. So you don't need the app to do it. No, you don't. I only use my, you know, I'm trying to to simplify things. So I hardly use any special equipment. I don't use any special apps. I'm simplifying my life because, again, you know, my my brain absorbs so much information. So that's the top tip, you know, and it's free. If you've got your phone, take a picture and go to your info. And what you do a lot is you grow plants and then you use those plants as fertilizer. So what do you call it on Friday? Feeding Friday? The Feeding Friday, yes. Yes, just, you know, it it really makes a difference. So as a money-saving gardener, I am pretty self-sufficient, you know, and I believe that, you know, I also, apart from obviously the neurodiversity that I'm very passionate about, I am also really passionate about saving the planet. I hope I can save the planet (laughs) by, you know, raising awareness and also helping people to understand that by working in harmony with nature, you also save money. And that is a fact. So as you just said, I use plants like stinging nettles. I'm sure you have them in your garden um, and people around the world have them. Stinging nettles, if you know about the fact that they just incredible plants giving you fertilizer for free, full of nitrogen, you don't really need to buy fertilizers. Um, another one is comfrey, which I recently uh, shared a video about. Yeah, the same thing. You know, it's all there on your doorstep and it's free. I love that. And comfrey really grows, doesn't it? It goes really big. It's just the most amazing plant. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. This episode sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Tommy Smythe here. Thank God I have a few minutes to myself without my (laughs) co-host. I mean, you've been there. You've been overwhelmed before too. I think most people carry around some kind of stress. And here at the Trust Me Pod, it's, Debbie, did you put your devices on Do Not Disturb? Debbie, do you have your microphone? (laughs) And when we have a guest, I just hope to get in one little question. Listen, sometimes it's hard to keep all your feelings all bottled up because you know what happens when you do. It bubbles over, you lose your cool, and maybe you take it out on someone you love. Obviously, I love Debbie. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever it is that's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible. 
whether you're in Toronto or Tuscany. BetterHelp will fit your schedule. Get it off your chest. Visit betterhelp.com slash decorator to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash decorator. A big part of design and decoration for us, and everyone really, is putting your memories on display. When my children went away to camp, it was the first time we'd kind of not been together, and they both wrote me letters, and they were probably eight and nine years old, and they are the funniest letters, and I framed them, put them up on the wall, and I see them every day, and sometimes if I feel a bit down, I just read those letters, mostly asking me for more candy, but I think framing a letter is a wonderful thing. That is why we love the idea of FrameBridge. They honestly make it so easy to get anything framed, and they're really, truly affordable. It's easy to do in person at one of their 20 FrameBridge retail stores, and... It's so easy to order online at FrameBridge.com. You just upload a photo for them to print. Picking the frame was really easy, but also really hard because there were so many options. I went for Walnut, which is a solid Walnut frame, but I think next time I'll go for Florence and they'll mail it to you using their free, secure, prepaid packaging service. FrameBridge has been trusted to frame millions of our memories. Visit FrameBridge.com or a local FrameBridge store. You can custom frame just about anything. Again, that's FrameBridge.com. So one of those things in terms of saving the planet that I'm interested in, and actually is an interest that was sparked by my partner, Patrick, because he is a horticulturist. He actually has a degree in horticulture, even though he, by profession, is an interior design photographer. He is constantly working on adding native plants to our tiny little postage stamp-sized front garden. And so what is your advice to people from different regions around the world in terms of adding native plants, non-invasive species, wherever they're making choices in terms of what they're going to grow in their gardens? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, just starting with what we just said with success, you know, if you go for varieties that are not native, that are really unusual, of course, it's lovely. You know, I I do love um, exotic and unusual, but that will obviously require more of your time. Those plants might not thrive because obviously you're bringing them from somewhere else. So going for the native varieties will automatically save you money because they belong to your garden. So absolutely right. Go for the native native plants. Um, of course, you can try different things, but you know that's that's the best thing to do. Love that. I think it's very important too to sort of recognize that, and we touched a little bit on this earlier, not everybody has a patch of land to be able to do gardening on. So going back to container gardening, is there anything that you can offer in terms of like, you know, what vegetables grow best in containers? If you just want to have like a couple of things so that you can proudly say to your dinner party guests, well, I grew these tomatoes myself. What are the best things that thrive in a pot, in a terracotta pot, on a roof deck or on a terrace? Yes. Do you know, it's, I mean, it's, there's endless opportunities to, to grow something, even in hanging baskets. And I am just testing few varieties of cherry tomatoes in hanging baskets. And it's amazing because they give you so much and you actually don't even have to have a space where you put a plant on. You can hang them. So definitely, you can grow tomatoes. You can grow lettuce in in pots. You can grow, obviously, all your herbs. Or you can grow them in hanging baskets. So 
you really can impress your, you know, when you have a dinner party, you can definitely impress people. I love that. And things like chives do very well everywhere. You can do chives on, so chives, you get a beautiful flower, which is nice, and then you can put it on your tomato. Absolutely. And you can harvest the flowers and put it in the vase, you know. I tend to go for plants, you know, for me, it's, it's all about maximizing. Um, you know, I've got few boxes to tick and I always, whatever I do in life, I always think, how many boxes will that tick? A chive ticks all my boxes and that's what I go for. Yeah. And, and also, you know, Tommy, you were saying a lot of people don't have a piece of land. What is very interesting in Italy, where most of the population live in apartments. So it's always been, and in England as well, in England it's called an allotment. In Italy, it's a little campo. You know, it's a little piece of land. And it has nothing to do with having money. And I know in, so for instance, in Canada, you know, there are companies or people are dividing land up. So people might buy an old farm to renovate as a home, but they don't need all the land. And it's becoming quite a trend. I mean, Lynn Crawford does it. What it does is it ticks off, as Anya says, so many boxes because it gives you a purpose. It gives you somewhere to go. It introduces you to other people. So when you go to an allotment, which when I was a girl was all old guys get to get away from the mother, you know, the wife, and they'd be there with their little shed and their, you know, their spade and their, and it was the size of a, a large car, really like a bed. Some of them were a bit bigger. And you'd see these old guys leaning on their spades, talking to their neighbor and stuff. But now, often along the railways, you know, I see younger people. And it is an amazing way for people, say, in their 20s and 30s to meet other people. And we know, we talk about this all the time, how kind of people are getting lonelier because they don't have the physical way of meeting other people. So if you can find somebody maybe an hour from your house um, or nearer, you know, somewhere that's doable, where you can go on a Saturday morning and spend your Saturday morning digging and chatting and sharing advice. It's not a competitive sport. It's something about, well, maybe it is, your carrots are bigger than my carrots, but yes. you know, sharing with each other, you're laughing and joking and, and, and going, oh God, I couldn't do this. I will try it this way. It is an amazing, amazing thing. A lot more fun than Googling, you know. In cities, they're often called community yes. gardens. Yes. Um, and in underserved neighborhoods, um, they're so vital, especially because they do provide that sense of community, but also that sense of accomplishment that Anya keeps talking about, which is, you know, even if you're not a person who lives with a condition like ADHD or others, it is still vitally important for all of us as humans, I think, and, and I agree with Anya, to have that sense of purpose and accomplishment. And it can be in such small ways that you get such huge benefits in terms Absolutely. of Absolutely. Yeah, I think community gardens, you know, are great because, like you say, they're in often impoverished areas. But then you might see a really fancy area with their great big suburban houses you know, there's a lot of crap going on behind those doors. So they're the people who probably need it, you know. I know. And they probably the people who don't know how to ask and say, you know, because they, they, well, we can go to the supermarket, you know, we can go to Whole Foods or something. That's not the point. The point is not about you can just go and buy it on. This is about growing and developing and, and creating your own yeah. stuff. And yeah, do you know what they call Whole Foods in California? Uh, no. Whole paycheck. 
So as a money-saving gardener, I'm sure yeah. you'd appreciate that little joke. Yeah, definitely. If you can grow your own herbs and not have to buy them at whole paycheck, then Absolutely. You, might, you might as well grow your own. Do you know, another thing is the progress. You know, and I always say that there is not a day in the year where you cannot propagate something. Even on the 25th of um, of December, you know, not everybody has the most amazing Christmas because, you know, I often think of those people who suffer from mental health issues, you know, people who are lonely. And, you know, when we all celebrate, there is someone in the world sitting and maybe feeling really depressed. And those people are that I am often kind of thinking of and I just think why don't you just go and take a few cuttings because then you just have this something that you are in control of and I don't know if you know that the, the way I started my garden it was actually a, it was my personal crisis I found myself in a very difficult situation and the only accessible thing at that point was my garden and when I took few cuttings and I started seeing progress and I started seeing that something is coming up you know something and i'm in control of it you know we we hear the news it's, there's so many news that are we are bombarded with and some people might suffer from anxiety as a result of it this is something you are in control of whether it's your hanging basket and your tomatoes or you know a little windowsill with few cuttings or or a few herbs you are in control and that is so powerful and rare these days to feel that uh, that's a beautiful point, I think, that you make, Enya, because I think in in our sort of hopelessness to affect, you know, change on a broad scale, when you do practice things that do give you a little bit of control in your personal orbit, in your personal physical orbit, you are doing so many things on so many levels. You know, you're benefiting your own mental health, you're contributing to the climate and doing the right thing for the environment and you're maybe in some cases providing things for others. Like I love the idea, Debbie and Anya, of like propagating some herbs and putting them in tiny little inexpensive terracotta pots, which you can buy from like a dollar store, and then bringing those as a hostess gift to someone and saying, I grew this for you. It's for your windowsill in your kitchen. I hope that you are nourished by it and that you enjoy having it as much as I enjoyed growing it. And those kinds of things can just be the loveliest gestures and they're free and they're simple and they're easy. I got an email of somebody this morning saying that she'd been here and we have a lot of rosemary. I have rosemary the size of- You really do. I mean, it's taking over. <laughs> It's enormous and it actually is a problem because it's actually a weed and, and, and I have to take it out because it gets very, very woody. But um, what we do here is because rosemary has, you know, everybody's talking about rosemary now because it has so many health benefits from joint to memory and, and everything. Um, but of course, by the time it's been manufactured into a pill or into a, even in shampoo now, you know, it's lost most of its goodness. But real rosemary, we put it at our place in Italy for our retreats, we put it into the water bottles. So we put it onto, you know, if we have a canister of water on the table, we just, because we have no pesticide here, we just cut it and we put the stem in. So a woman, I often say to people, oh, just take it back with you. And they're like, no, I'll get in trouble, you know. So one woman said that um, she was walking past a house in Toronto and this woman had in this garden this huge thing of rosemary. So she said, I stopped and I talked to her and I said, oh, I like your rosemary bush. And she said, you know, I was a bit nervous to talk. And the woman said, oh, thank you so much. And she said, well, I was just at Debbie Travis's and, and she has huge rosemary bushes and I would love because she's talking about propagating. So the woman said, well, come through my gate, you know, and I'll give you some. 
to propagate. And it's, it's like a few branches. And, and she said, that just hit everything. I made a new friend, you know, she stayed for a glass of wine, you know, and, and, and now I'm going to try and do this, as Tommy says, you know, in, in a little pot on the windowsill, or you can use, you know, if it's a small thing like seeds, you can use egg cartons, which we chuck out, you know, plastic or, or paper, egg. you can use everything, so much stuff around the house, you can use an old teapot. Um, but she said, you know, I just went home and I thought, what a lovely day. And that was just a simple thing, like, I like your rosemary bush. Absolutely. And but as you said at the beginning of our chat, propagation itself sounds very old fashioned. I don't know if you feel the same, but I find it's propagation is not very often used outside the garden. And as a word, it's very, very old fashioned because we used to the fact that we can just go to the shop and we buy our plants and we spend the money. And quite often we waste it because, you know, the plants don't do well. But propagation, and I thought about it recently because it just kind of happened. You know, people come back to me and say, oh, you, the propagation queen, I don't feel this way. But for some reason, I think I brought this, even all my friends, you know, all my friends and all the moms, everybody's starting to use the word propagation. And it makes me, you know, sometimes it makes me smile because I think, you know, you can bring back something that is quite old fashioned, but so powerful and so positive, as you just said. Yeah, very community based. But it takes no time. And so I bought and I'd never heard of rooting powder ever until I started watching you. So I bought, you know, a little tiny jar of rooting powder. And honestly, I'm so calm when I'm doing it. so you just let's say it's rosemary, you just scrape the bottom, you take the, the, the branch, if you will, then you scrape the bottom like you would a pencil. And so it's a little bit pointy. You dip it in the powder, right? And then what you do, which I, I actually don't quite understand this, you take, let's say it was rosemary or lavender, you take a big like pot, it could be a big plastic pot or it could be a big terracotta pot, and you put it around the edge. Yes, yes. Now, why do you do that? Why do you not just dot it all over? Well, first thing is they root better. You know, when you put them on the edge, they, um, and it might be a number of factors that is contributing. Um, you know, I propagated thousands and thousands of plants and I tend to use black pots because they absorb the heat as well. And what the roots get is obviously the heat. It might be a, a, a moisture, a level of moisture that, that around the pot. They simply root better. And also when you use recycled plastic pots, it's easier to take them out of the pot and you fit so many um, plants in. So I just tend to do it this way. Oh, I always wondered. I mean, I, I, I followed you and it's worked. They don't all grow, but let's say out of one small rosemary brush, I could get 10 rosemary bushes. That's what's so incredible. Absolutely. And if you go to the store, you know, how much is a, ro a, a small a rosemary bush, like the size of your hand in a nursery? Eight euro, eight dollars or something, eight euros, whatever it is. You know, it, it's not cheap because you're not going to put one in in a garden. You're going to put 10 in. So why not get, and if you've got it like a sunroom or a room in Canada, for instance, it would be like a cold room at the back, which was kind of glass that you wouldn't use in the winter. But if you start this on sunny days in April and May, by the time you go into planting season, you've got like $500 worth of free plants. It's amazing. Absolutely. Your rosemary is so like massively successful, Debbie. And, and I think that also speaks to this trial and error process the good kind of failure and successes with plants that are conducive to the place that you're growing them. You know, 
if I planted a rosemary bush here, it may not do as well as yours do in Tuscany. And I mean, yours are doing so well, you're going to have to start a cottage pie company in order to just use all of this rosemary. Yeah, you're right. But it's worth, sometimes it's worth trying because I have another plant uh, called, I don't you probably know this, Anya, called Gaura. And I love it. I absolutely love it because Gaura comes in here. I can get it in three colors, like a deep red, a kind of soft, pale, pale, whitey cream and a bright pink. And it starts to explode now. And it's very, very long, like four foot long tendrils with this little flower on the end. And as the breeze goes, they look like butterflies and they're moving all the time. And that comes from South America. So here it's suddenly getting very popular. Now there are purists who say you shouldn't be growing this. Well, and another reason for, for propagation is because some plants are short-lived. And this particular plant, which I adore, and it can be grown in pots as well. You know, it's like with fashion and it's the same with interior design. I'm sure you know better than I and also fashion industry. You know, we go through stages of something that comes and we all love. And this plant is amazing, but it's short-lived. So propagating it makes sense. And every year I propagate it because I just never know if it will survive or not. And you are self-sufficient, but it's an amazing plant. It really mm. is. And the, the other one I'm doing really well with are dahlias. And dahlias do, and cosmos does very well, I know, in Canada. Um, but I grew all my cosmos from seed. So I had like 10 um, egg cartons, like that would have had, say, 12 eggs in. I get what a small bag of soil. And, you know, you're sitting there and you with a pair of tweezers and you're dropping in each seed. And a month later, you have an inch plant. And then I was watching Anya and she's going, no, you've got to pinch the middle. And I'm like, oh, isn't that where the flower comes? Now, so I started that in March. Now they're eight feet high. They're amazing and bushy. And we have loads of people arriving on Sunday. They'll all have cosmos in their rooms because here it gets so hot. I have to have a cutting garden. I actually, the lavender's finished by the end of July and the, uh, the, the rosemary doesn't look that great, you know, in a vase. But with um, dahlias, which was a very old fashioned, like you said, there is a fashion with this stuff. So I think in the 50s and 60s, dahlias, well, it's like lavender, lavender is was your granny's scent now it's all back in people want lavender in rooms and stuff or do you think we're just getting older i've just written an article and i said i used to think that this plant is for old people and now i love it and then i just thought is it the delius or is it just my age <laughs> that's amazing it keeps uh, mosquitoes away but dahlias are something, you know, it's a tubular. So it's not a bulb. It's a, it's a tubular, kind of, which looks like a kind of a, a hand with fingers off it. So you can plant that in most climates in the summer. And those flowers will sit on a table for over a week because they're big. And they come the size of a dinner plate. They come the size of your thumb. And in every color and shape and size. Dahlias are so sturdy. And then in the winter, you know, if it's, say, I don't know, October, November, when they're kind of done, you just dig them up, you put them in, in a box and put them in a, in a coolish room in the house. And then you replant them next year. 
It's fantastic. Um, yeah, the, originally dahlias are from Mexico. You know, we all suffer from, um, I mean, our gardens, not us, but the gardens from drought. And it's a big problem for everyone. And it will be. So we just need to adapt as well. And we need to go for varieties of plants that will require less watering, that will kind of look after themselves. And it's great to think about that as well. When you're saying they don't need as much water, if it's a tubular does that mean it's uh, keeping the water in? Well, I mean, dahlias do need quite a bit of water as well. They don't store the water. No, they don't. Uh, but they obviously respond well to heat. So they don't mind hot conditions. I read a story, Anya, in Architectural Digest uh, a couple of years ago that was profiling very young landscape designers in the UK. And the prevailing through line from this article was that the gardens that these people are designing, young people, are being designed for a future climate, which is significantly warmer than the climate that we experience now. So they're highlighting that we will be seeing in climates like upper North America, the UK, on those sort of lateral lines around the world, gardens that incorporate almost semi-tropical plants. And when you design a garden, of course, you design a garden for a 200-year, 300-year lifespan. And when you go to the old great houses of England and the UK, you see all these beautiful old gardens that are hundreds of years old. Those gardens will have to adapt, and the new gardens that they're planting are now being adjusted for climate change, which is a scary thing, but also it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really interesting, yeah. Before we wrap up... I want to ask you, Anya, you know, we've been following you along on social media and seeing all of the incredible things that you're doing. Do you have anything that you want to share with us that's coming up next or something that's the next thing that you're going to be really interested in? You know, what are your sights set on for the near future? Well, for nearly two years now, I've been working on a big project, um, which I can't reveal yet, but I will, which I'm very, very excited about. And I'm sure you will hear about it. One of the things I really want to make a difference. I want to make a difference to people with ADHD, um, children, women. I just want to make a difference to those people. So raising awareness about ADHD and and also the positivity that we get from growing things, as we just um, mentioned. And this will be something I will be focusing on. I think you are doing that, making such a difference. I mean, just in my limited experience so far with your social media account on Instagram, where I've learned so many things and seen so many beautiful things. So I want to thank you for that because you are definitely making a difference every single day. And Debbie, thank you for introducing me to Anya because this has been such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. And I think it's it's nice because it's for everybody because a lot of people get scared and say, oh, I don't have a garden or I live in the wrong area. But there's something for everyone, something for everyone, even if you just got a windowsill. Everybody's got a window somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, guys. And as, as the three of us, we three different examples of three different growing spaces. And we three of us have something to contribute and something to grow. So it's been amazing. And thank you so much for inviting me. Really, really lovely to connect with you. And we'll connect again. Well, thank you for being here. Oh, bye, guys. Thank you. Come again. Come again. I'm Sarah Burke, and I host the Women in Media podcast, where I'm exploring the challenges women face in the media spotlight and celebrating our triumphs. My guests come from radio, TV, news and sports, and we'll cover topics like leadership, diversity, stereotypes and more. Most of all, I'm looking to build a community through a space where we can discuss anything. 
The Women in Media Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at womeninmedia.ca. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.